When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That's what I read, read just a few minutes ago, is, is what if Elon Musk just pulled off the, the, the most successful murder? Welcome to this podcast. This is episode 23. My name is Tim Mitra. I am sitting in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Jonathan Kulain over there in Mississauga, Ontario. What's up? All right. All right. So we'll start off the show as we usually do with some fact check. So Jonathan, can you give us some fact check on our last episode? Absolutely. Fact check. So 1948, last episode, uh, we were talking about a, uh, we're talking about Birthright, the new series, a new movie that's coming from Robert Kirkman, the creator creator, co-creator of The Walking Dead. Uh, we talked about a recent show. The recent show about a missing boy that returns in the similar premise to Birthright is called The Family. Apparently it was canceled after the one family. season. So we remembered there was a show, but apparently it's no longer a show. No, there's another one too. It's called Beyond or something like that. It's, it's just coming up for season two, actually. I get the feeling it's a pretty strong premise that just goes around in circles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of kind of like, yeah, the kid disappears. And, and wasn't, and like I mentioned last week, but you didn't confirm, but The Flight of the Navigator, wasn't that the one where the kid disappears in a spaceship and comes back? And, you know, I gotta admit, I don't little? think I've ever seen Flight of the Navigator. Really? I thought yeah. I could have sworn I watched that with you. Yeah, like, no, that was rental. a little after my time. That was sort of mid '80s, somewhere there. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. all right, okay. 2008, Gail Ann Hurd, the former producer of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, is producing the series Falling Water. Right. Okay. So, so she wasn't sweeping the floors. No, it was in fact not the janitorial staff from The Walking Dead that was responsible for the new show. Right. Okay. Well, this one's mine actually. So 5059, we talked about Jeffrey's tubes or you mentioned it and it turned out I so I, I do remember and I was going to say it this sh- during the show but I couldn't remember the actual who Jeffries was but and I when I was doing the research on it I found that on the discovery they referred to it as a service crawlway but as opposed to Jeffries tube and that was in the episode context as king apparently I didn't go back and double check that but, but that's where apparently the reference was made but it's in reference to Matt Jeffries who was the the art director or designer of the original Starship Enterprise and so that's why they they kind of tongue firmly planted in cheek named these things Jeffries Jeffrey's tubes, which is where they used to go and do a lot of, you know, plot exposition things in the original series and stuff like that. And of course, they carried them on through other series as well. That's a nice little homage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our last fact check, uh, 11853, uh, we were <laughs> debating whether it was Trisha Bigger or Trisha Biggers. It's Trisha Bigger, no right. S. Uh, she was the costume designer of the three Star Wars prequels, episode one, two, and three. So she right. is responsible for the big uh, Amidala dresses and everything. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what's next? What's next? 
next? Well, let's dive into some news. Big right. week, big week, lots of things happening. Uh, so biggest news of the week so far, in my opinion, is uh, we got news this week that the creators of the TV show Game of Thrones, not to be mistaken with the books Game of Thrones, uh, are now lined up to create a new Star Wars trilogy. Uh, for those keeping score at home, that is the second Star Wars trilogy we've had announced in the last couple of months. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson is already going to be working on a separate Star Wars trilogy. So uh, including uh, Solo still to come and Episode 9, we now have at least eight confirmed Star Wars movies in production. That's a lot. Um, Aren't you doing a Star Wars trilogy too? Yeah, actually, I think uh, if you go to Disneyland Parks, you get a coupon and then you get to make a new uh, Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> I think is pretty cool. Uh, I think That's how Alice got to start too, right? Yeah. You got to uh, fill in the gaps. It's like, how did Salacious Crumb end up, you know, where he was and it's the right-hand person of Jabba the Hutt. That's I mean, true. That's true. Plot holes you know, right there. It's like, that doesn't make sense. You got to explain the backstory. You know, the, the size noodles in the Rebo Band movie is not going to make itself. Somebody's got to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's it's interesting news so a couple of things that spin out of that one is uh we had word today that uh the series this is uh um uh Benny Off and Weiss where the guys uh co-created the or created the TV show of Game of Thrones uh they were going to be working on a new series for HBO called Confederate which rankled a lot of people when it was announced because apparently it was set in the alt future where uh the south wins the civil war and Ooh. slavery is still acceptable and yeah. a lot of people thought that was in questionable taste uh but it's okay to have nazis take over in north america yeah so apparently that one uh is not going to happen now uh the there was a story i think today from hollywood reporter that said that uh that that series is uh, on indefinite postponement now that they've agreed to do this new trilogy so uh for all the people who were uh, offended by that one and i don't think it was hard to look very hard to find people then uh, that's that doesn't sound like that's happening but also i mean I think we can agree that over the last decade plus, Game of Thrones is one of the most uh, groundbreaking and influential pieces of pop culture that's come along. So having those two guys throwing their weight behind Star Star Wars is pretty awesome, pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. Um, And we also got a little more Star Wars news this week that uh, Disney is developing uh, two, or excuse me, at least two new Star Wars live action TV series to go onto its new app or streaming service that it's developing uh, to compete with Netflix. So we already knew that they were going to go after this pretty hard. They're going to pull their content off Netflix. They're going to, you know, start taking some of their Marvel content there. And uh, there was word that they were going to develop one show, possibly. uh, And in an earnings call this week, the uh, CEO said, uh, yes, at least two, one of which will be announced in the not distant future. So sounds like they're going pretty hard after this, uh, making this a pretty desirable service for people to sign up for if they mm-hmm. if they got your money for uh, CBS All Access uh, how how easy is it going to be to drop the money down for this if they're offering up multiple Star Wars series Marvel series and otherwise wait are they the same people CBS All Access and Disney no those are competing oh. services oh but you're saying like compared I'm saying if people want to sign up to get Star Trek for 15 episodes yeah, right. and well you can correct me if I'm wrong Jaime but not a lot of other content that's mm-hmm. original uh, imagine what people will drop down to get original content like two new star wars series and marvel series and whatever else mm-hmm. yeah it, there really isn't that much on right now i'm trying to think like we've talked about on the show that uh, jordan peele is executive producing a twilight zone reboot i don't think i recall when that was coming out um but even if it was 2018 it'd probably be later in the year and i joked i think an episode or two ago about wanting 
Murphy Brown's return to be <laughs> on CBS All Access just to make it worth the money so I don't have to shut off the account or, you know, stop paying and then bring it back up again when Discovery starts up its second season. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of Star Wars content headed your way. It sounds like uh, Disney is going to beat us into the ground with Star Wars content. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure when is too much, but I guess we'll find out. Well, they've already done that with Donald Duck and the, the three little duckling guys. DuckTales? DuckTales? Yeah, DuckTales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no such thing as too much DuckTales. Okay. Uh, so interesting uh, thing that happened in the world of sci-fi this week. We had talked about how Cloverfield uh, 3, I was moving around the movie schedule releases, and uh, we didn't know where that was going to land. And it turns out it landed immediately following the Super Bowl on Sunday night on Netflix. So we had talked that maybe it was going to end up on Netflix eventually. We weren't sure when. There was some rumors going around. And sure enough, the Cloverfield Paradox dropped on Sunday night, uh, just in time for everybody to be sitting in front of their televisions already. And uh, apparently more than a few people tuned in and watched this, although uh, by judging by its current 18% on Rotten Tomatoes, not a lot of people enjoyed what they saw. Oh, I see. Ooh. But still, uh, very interesting. Good story from, uh, again, our friends at The Hollywood Reporter today. Apparently, uh, it was just like we talked about. Paramount was getting antsy about putting this out in theaters, having to spend the marketing money on it, trying to get people to go, uh, knowing that it was a crowded year. We talked about the fact there's 30 genre pictures coming out this year. Uh, the word from Hollywood Reporter is 50 million bucks is what they sold it to Netflix for, wow. which apparently made back all of its investment and, and more and does sort of set an interesting precedent for, you know, if something's not, you know, if, if that market isn't there for those movies, Netflix has got some money to throw around. So that that could be a really neat trend to keep an eye on if these guys are going to start chucking around $50 million checks to to buy brand name movies. It's, like them or not, the Cloverfield movies are, are a marketable asset. So I thought when you said you were going to something interesting happen in, in sci-fi this week, some guy replicated the opening scene from Heavy Metal, the movie. <laughs> did, did that happen? Yeah. Some guy la- launched a, sh- a, a car up into space. Oh, I did see that. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I did see Elon that. Musk. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Anyway, it's funny that that actually happened, you know, this week. Anyway. There are a lot of uh, really good memes on social about uh, the car in space and people photoshopping people driving cars in space. But uh, yeah. The best one I read, read just a few minutes ago was, is what if Elon Musk just pulled off the, the, the most successful murder? <laughs> 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 Did anybody look in the trunk? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the guy in the suit. In the right? suit. <laughs> yeah. With the opaque visor, you can't really see what's in there. <laughs> they were drugged and they don't wake up until after the booster is up in the air. Uh, I, I sense an excellent episode of Black Mirror coming. Right. Uh, let's see what else we got this week. Oh, so uh, remember remember a few episodes ago when we talked about how uh, you know Chris Carter couldn't imagine doing another X Files series without Gillian Anderson. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out he can imagine uh, doing an X Files series without uh, Gillian Anderson. He went uh, on the record this week and said, "Well, maybe I'm not done yet. Maybe uh, maybe I have more to say. And it, sure, it would be different without Gillian, but you know, maybe I'll think about it." So hold on to your socks. We might get the 
first uh which one is she scully or Mulder? i don't know scully scully yeah. which one uh yeah we will we might get our first scully free uh season of x-files coming up uh if we aren't careful yeah and just to, you know i think I, to interject here for a second so i talked about the first episode of the season being like a complete like a, why am i even watching this show like up until the, like the last 10 seconds of the episode it was like a complete waste of time and then a couple of interesting episodes where it kind of redeemed itself and had the sort of charm that the x files has and then the last two episodes have been just sort of like is this story not over yet there's one long running story all through the whole thing and and it's like okay enough already and it was just this last week and the week before were just you know again i don't know if do do people i mean you guys don't watch the show so i don't know but i'm asking our fans like do people actually like this drivel because it's you know enough with the Mulder scully together mystery thing they'll know what i'm talking about let me know if you think ask spockcast hashtag ask spockcast tim wants to know yeah because you know i don't know i'm finding i'm finding it tar- it's 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 tiring <laughs> let's put it that way well you might get more whether you like it or not it's a question of whether you'll watch it that's the, that's well yes yeah, it's becoming like i said before it's becoming easier and easier to drop shows because if they're not if they're not hauling the weight pulling their weight around right yeah well eventually the nostalgia wave has to end right there's only so many uh x files and roseanne's and murphy browns you can bring back before people say why did they bring this back well and the, you know what's weird about it is is the opening titles is the exact same titles from 1994 like like same music same like they look like they're 12 in that in the in the images that they show it's like i don't get it like it's a reboot right yeah i'm curious because you brought up the uh, roseanne thing i'm kind of curious how the timeline works for roseanne which sounds crazy but if people remember spoilers if i remember correctly the final season of roseanne was revealed to be roseanne's writing about this like fantasy version of what happened to her family uh, after a certain point i forget how many seasons they went through was oh, that what it was i thought they won the lottery or something like that they were well, all rich I all of a sudden i think that was if i remember correctly i think that was part of the um the fiction of the fiction or or oh. it might have been the point at which the timeline breaks from being reality roseanne to being fantasy roseanne right huh. and i could have sworn that john goodman's character dies in um in the fictional reality like mm-hmm. like like you know oh it's like oh like he he cheats on her or something and she explains oh yeah like it was like he uh he left me you know you know he, uh what, what's the word i'm looking for like he um was a traitor because he left me but you know he actually he, he left me because he died of a heart attack or something like i'm curious how they roll that all right. back hmm. yeah i i don't know I, I it was never my cup of tea i i wonder how much appetite there is for the return of this although by all accounts you know people are talking about it so mm-hmm. just weird okay we'll move on all right uh so uh amazon the people who are going to be bringing us uh more lord of the rings have apparently lined up to uh develop more conan con- content and i don't mean conan o'brien i mean conan i was gonna say conan the barbarian where leads more of him yeah yeah well you know if they get the casting right they could do both it's true, it's true. conan <laughs> is conan uh yeah no it, it sounds sounds good sounds like they're actually going to base uh this proposed series off of the actual robert e howard books uh, as opposed to being a work of fiction set around that character um having read some of those books and enjoyed the comic adaptations that are more more strictly tied to those books um very cool so i'm excited mm-hmm. about that yeah it, it should hopefully be an interesting one to watch and i think it plays a whole lot into the fact that everybody every one of these streaming services wants their game of thrones equivalent um, netflix tried to do it with marco polo and had limited success it turned out it wasn't as popular given how expensive it was to make and amazon 
Sean is taking two shots at this, as you mentioned with Conan and the Game of Thrones, or sorry, uh, Lord of the Rings yep. sort of uh, spinoff stuff. So we'll see. See how that goes. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I may be in the minority. I really still love those Conan movies, even though they're big buckets of cheese. The uh, the two, <laughs> I even didn't mind the Jason Momoa one that much, although it wasn't great. It was still, for people who like a good head lopping, it was, was actually enjoyable. But I, I think that material lends itself really well to sequential storytelling. It might be interesting to see if you spend some more time with that character, what they can do. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in. Uh, quick one. So Cowboy Ninja Viking, which is a comic book from Image Comics, uh, which I've enjoyed over the years, uh, has apparently got a director. They're going to make a film version of this. Michelle McLaren is going to work on that. Um, and Chris Pratt is going to be the star. That's been uh, out there for a while that he was going to star in this. Um, so the premise of it is really interesting. It's basically about, uh, it's supposed to come out next summer. The idea is that um, people with multiple personality disorder, uh, patients with multiple personality disorders uh, are recruited to be uh, spies. And so he will be playing the aforementioned cowboy ninja Viking. Those are his three different personalities. Um, and there are other uh, other agents with other personalities also in the similar vein. So it's a really weird comic. Uh, it's really well done. I, I've enjoyed it. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how that turns out. And uh, again, nice to see a female director getting a break. So there you go. Cool. Uh, Legion, one of my favorite shows, probably my runner up for show, uh, new show of the year last year uh, is coming back to FX. Uh, they have announced that it is coming back in April. And uh, sure as I say that, I've forgotten the date. So let me look it up here. Oh, it's coming out April 3rd, Tuesday, April 3rd, 10 p.m. on FX. So uh, looking forward to that. That show is super trippy and really, really well done by the same creator who did Fargo, which uh, has also gotten some uh, some good accolades. So yeah, like that one. Uh, we had some fun this week. Natalie Portman was the host of Saturday Night Live on Saturday. She reprised her rap from the last time she was on the show. Uh, Natalie Portman raps. Uh, it was very funny the first time. It was very funny the second time. Part of her rap was uh, her dressed up like Queen Amidala, pointing a pistol at someone, basically swearing at them and threatening uh, to cap them if they made a crack about the prequel movies. Uh, it, it was very, very entertaining. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. that, do check that out. That's that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> and Tim, you had right. uh, some Star Trek news? Yeah, just a, well, a quick one here. Somebody had written a post on the, I think the Mary, Mary Sue um, blog had said that Star Trek has lost, Star Trek Discovery has lost three of the best things about it. And it could be argued that they are and they aren't, but I mean, the, the one of them is losing Wilson Cruz and, and the Stamets um, Cruz or Stamets uh, Culber relationship, which we talked about on the show previously before, previously and before, previously. <laughs> and uh, uh, also the the whole Ash Tyler PSD kind of like, you know, they kept sending him on these missions and he kept breaking down in the middle of the missions because of this PSD thing, which was his reaction to uh, being, actually being Volk, I guess, inside this this, uh, this Star Trek person body. And the other one is losing uh, Lorca, who was uh, in some ways a refreshing approach on the captain of, of, an, of a Star Trek um, ship, if you will, right? Because he was a different kind of guy, right? So, interesting blog post, um, which we could talk about or not. Let's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I can dive into this. So, th- so this is the part of the show where we talk about the Star Trek Discovery episode that just went by. And so these are a huge spoiler warning for you. If you haven't seen this, this is, again, why are you listening to this podcast if you haven't seen the episode? Um, but hey, come on. We'll explain to you what happened in this last one in the last episode, episode 14, the last one before the, fi- the season finale for the first season, the war within, war without, the war within. Um, so it starts off with them and back on the, they've, they've just been transported, Burnham and the Emperor onto the ship. And of course, Saru's there to meet them. And uh, she talks about 
but uh, you know the fact that they di- they dined on entrails, and now you ask for his ask for Saru to, to favor them, and um, he has her transported off to the off to her to quarters and confines. So they're supposed to throw her throwing her into the into the brig right away, and he says to to Burnham that you lied, and you know you, you said there were no other uh, Kelpians around, and um, why'd you bring her back? And and of course Burnham says I couldn't watch her die again, and uh, you know of course and there's the sort of no one could have done what you did, which I guess is the whole premise of this show kind of thing. Um, he explains that the Klingon, basically the Klingon, uh, at Laurel did the surgery on, on the Volk to separate him, him out. And, uh, maybe you could go over there and help him, you know, heal. And her response to that is, sorry, I can't, which, you know, and unless, unless it's, she says, is this, is this an order? And he says, no, it's not. And she says, well, I can't. And she walks away. Um, even though now he's t- apparently Tyler. And, and again, we can talk about this during the, during our exposition of this or exploration of this, but I don't get how this guy kills somebody in in a, in in the fact that Tyler or somebody looking like Tyler killed Culber, and yet he's allowed to wander around and have lunch in the, the mess hall and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it was we'll very was... sort of forgiving, and they yeah. they gave him like a little Apple Watch that would prevent him from <laughs> I don't know, I guess accessing certain areas without being escorted and, and everything. Oh, is that and, what it was? I missed. I must have missed that. Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah, put like yeah. a little like Apple Watch armband on him, and I guess they. So they keep preloaded it, it with the Strava app so they'd know exactly where he was at all times right, on the right, ship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah. Um, yeah, basically has no Klingon aggression. And, and to answer Jonathan's questions, it was very nice of him to do that, to say that he's got no more muscu- Klingon muscular stamina, which I guess is what he had before. And uh, so, yeah, he's now human. And um, they're kind of wondering about, like, how this is going. And they, he, one of them says, I suppose we can ask him how it's going, right? And uh, so he, they, of course, go talk to him about it. And he said it's like watching somebody else's life, having these two people inside of you and he explains that the the mokai mokai call it choha which is the um the, what they call their species reassignment procedure and of course he was the first one of them to, to actually go through it um and uh he volk as volk he submitted to the torture himself he was one of the torturers on on uh, takuma's ship um but so he volunteered to go ahead and do that and and uh they describe uh laurel and um volk as the only true believers who believe that their actions would bring followers back to Takuma's house. Um, and uh, yeah, and he basically says, I would have done anything to do undo what I did. Um, and it turns out that they find out that the, the Federation, and this is the other way they explain that Volk was responsible for the crime. So he's apparently gone now, so all is forgiven. You know, you know, I'm not sure how that kind of justice works, but um, they mentioned that the Federation is approaching, they're about to be boarded, you know, and then uh, Admiral Katrina Corn- Cornwall and Sarek and a bunch of, you know, um, Phaser wielding strong guys land on the ship and point lasers at phasers at at um, Saru and demand to find out to be told where Lokai was and uh, Mr. Saru uh, or and then of course Sarek does a mind melt with with uh, with uh, uh, Saru and and determines that he is not in fact you know hiding where Loka is and, and in fact that Lorca it was revealed through I guess through the mind melt that Lorca, Captain Lorca is dead that was all before the titles of the show so that was just the the roll up to the titles. Anyway, I just thought it was funny that it took that long to get there. No, it seems pretty good. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I think the only thing I would add there is that Mr. Saru believes Lorca's dead. Oh, right. Dun, dun, well, dun. Yeah, he never did see him. Yeah, he never did see him melt into the... Uh, into the. Yeah, he just has Burnham's word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought that all that stuff happened, like, you know, I've written probably a few hundred words here to describe what happened just before the titles of the show. Yeah, it was an action-packed first sort of eight minutes <laughs> yeah. before the titles anyways. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and then they talk about you know the captain I, I, I didn't catch this until i watched
watched it again. Um, again, have to, I hate to say, have to say after track, but I didn't realize that she actually phasered his uh, fortune cookies off the table. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that, but uh, um, Admiral is Admiral Cornwall is not very happy. She talks about her the, the Malorca she knew, and I think we talked about this before last week. I think last week on the show, the week before that, her, the Lorca she knew was the Lorca that that she had you know last spent her time with. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, yeah, and, and of course now, and and, and Sarek's observation is it was it, you know it is not obvious that he could be from another universe because they just didn't know that ha- that was a, uh, an option at that point in time, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, then they talk about the 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 what the Klingons are doing. They're basically um, they're attacking Federation outposts and Federation properties just willy nilly, like uh, not in any kind of coordinated way. They're doing suicide missions. There's no logic to what they're doing. Um, instead of having to fight one. Klingon army they're having to fight 24 different styles of armies so uh, they're all competing for dominance and and they're just using the the Federation outposts as ways to sort of divvy up the end you know just for fun right they're killing uh, Federation types for that for that reason right so they decide they're going to jump to Starbase 1 which of course they can't do so they, they warp over there because they find that they don't have any spores to do that um, and of course they, they then meet uh, um, so Admiral Cornwall and Sarek get to meet you know Georgia uh, Emperor Georgia and they, the one comment they make is that the resemblance is remarkable. I'm like, what? She's like from a she's a clone from Mirror Universe. Of course, she's going to look like same person, right? Um, it's amazing what they can do with hair, though. You know, her hair's down, so she looks different. When she puts it back in a ponytail, all of a sudden she's the happy go lucky. You know, well, the the gold the makeup too adds a lot to it. Yeah, the what? The gold bustier and the makeup. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That yeah, the the the, the chest that's plate. Yeah. Um, I forgot what this means. You killed a good man. Not sure what that hell. Hmm. Oh, you're probably oh. talking about. Uh, t- so I was a little bit surprised how this scene sort of played itself out with Tyler yeah. running into um, Stamets in the hallway. Oh yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what it was. Yeah. So they they run into each other and and you know a Tyler who's clearly miffed with the man who apparently again who's walking around free and clear, not you know unescorted except for this Apple Watch thing. Um, runs into Stamets in the hallway and and he explains that you know Stamets says, "Well, you killed a good man," and and uh, he does present regret and and that kind of stuff and. And so uh, Stamets comment as he walks away from is maybe you're human after all, so which is weird. Um, and then you know Tyler shows up in the in the mess hall as I mentioned before, and he goes to sit down, and everybody's kind of looking at him sideways. And of course Tilly, being who she is, she gets up and she goes and joins him, and then a bunch of other people go and join him, and they're patting him on the back, and they're having a good time, and they're breaking out the beers, and you know because you know he killed a few people, and he was a Klingon, you know um, what do you call those? Uh, what's the what's the Manchurian candidate thing? Um, sleeper sleeper agent Klingon sleeper agent and yet you know that all's forgiven try the try the rice pudding it's pretty good yeah. you know <laughs> um yeah so detmer joins them as well and uh, that kind of stuff and of course um when we get close to uh starbase one all of a sudden uh, saru's ganglia rise on the back of his neck and he starts to realize that the, the federation starbase has been um destroyed and uh, his ganglia rays and somewhere on the ship the emperor gets like a hunger pangs and starts licking yeah, her lips does she? yeah <laughs> Is this where we're going to get the, the, the comment about the sushi? But anyway, we'll come back to it. <laughs> um, Hashtag Sarushi. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, and they, they mentioned that 80,000 souls were killed. So we don't know if they were human or whatever, but I guess there were 80,000 entities of sentient beings who were, were destroyed in the dis- destruction of uh, Starbase One. Um, the Admiral goes to talk to, to Laurel and, and uh, starts talking about um, why, what they're doing. And um, this part, maybe you guys can jump in here because I barely remember this part Tuba was wrong um humans do oh this is Laurel's uh, uh comments 
I guess that humans do have courage. Um, and then she explains that the families are are, are carving up the, the the Federation and they're trying to slaughter they're slaughtering innocent people and and she tries to appeal to Laurel to help uh, I guess in any way she can um, what what they're you know how to deal with these Klingons and um, yeah the and way you ask, if I can slip in here because you asked you asked for a little bit of, of yeah uh, fill in oh. on here so the way I'd interpret it was Cornwall sort of trying to explain a couple different angles one is what do you what do you all even want like what is is there some sort of way this war can end is there an achievable goal that you could reach that you know doesn't involve completely eradicating us from the universe and two even if you don't you know sort of fully agree with uh, the way that we live our lifestyle and you may not even agree with you know whether you believe that we are not trying to assimilate you and make you lose your culture you can at least recognize that this is absolutely not what Takuma wanted right he wanted the houses right, to yeah. unify not to be this uh, less powerful but still dangerous faction based system right and and uh, Laurel's final final words to her is is you have to conquer us or because we'll never stop we'll never relent is what she says right um yeah no look at this last part i can't remember the sex part either your regret weakens you i don't remember where that comment comes from um let's see oh klingons that was the emperor right right oh yeah saying that to them yeah right and then and then uh she explains that from her perspective the klingons are like cancer cells you have the same thing but from a different perspective you must destroy the source um and they decide that they must go uh she they must go to chronos to basically um attack them from within i guess so that's where the war within comes from i suppose um yeah so they they decide that they're going to go and jump into chronos which is a series of caverns and volcano volcanic caverns they're going to try and get the uh discovery to bounce inside of chronos and then map the terrain so they can decide where to uh destroy things but before they do that they need to get some spores and so they whip off to the veda system to basically go and and uh, terraform and create some spores right uh meanwhile uh, emperor Giorgio speaks to Sarek. Um, she she offers, you know, what if I could show you how to bring them to their knees? Which is, I think we we sort of surmise that that may be one of the angles that they have for bringing uh, the Emperor back to this to the Prime Universe is that she's got these you know these kick-ass skills. Not you know pun intended, I guess. Um, <laughs> that uh, she can you know she obviously has a different way of fighting. That, that that perhaps the Federation is too you know diplomatic and too you know to to sort of really sort of pull out the stops and and uh, and. Uh, you know, kick these guys when they're down, kind of thing, as as you you, you need to do in a lot of movies. I'm told by another co-host on another podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they decide that they're we're at war, right? Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, this uh, yeah, and this is what what uh, um, Sarek says to Burnham is that you know where he says goodbye to her because he's leaving, and he says we just have to you know have to realize that this could be the last time we see each other. Um, and then his advice to her about um, how she feels about um, Tyler is you know don't regret having having actually loved somebody right so i guess it's his way of sort of saying if you need to go talk to him go talk to him kind of thing thanks dad <laughs> uh, yeah i mean so here these back-to-back scenes i think they're back-to-back or they're at least very closely spaced these Sarek scenes are pretty good because you have the uh mother and father scene between emperor jojo and um Sarek, and then you have the uh father and daughter scene father knows best where he like he says straight up like there's a sad irony in that you know klingon's destroyed your life and you fell in love with a Klingon. Um, right. Which I think is pretty unique. I'm not sure that we've seen that sort of sort of pathway twist itself through a Star Trek character before. Right, right. And of course, uh, Tilly goes and um, you know, pleads with, with Michael at the end there and sort of says, Tyler actually, you know, having spoken to Tyler, he's he's all torn up inside, literally. Um, and 
he needs you. So, so go to him. You must run to him, right? Um, so they, they, but mind you, they go back to this Veda system there, and and uh, uh, Stamets is now uh, in charge of um, the, what they call he calls the mycelial injection protocol, and he starts engaging agri transport boosters, and uh, he ready he says ready the EM darts, and you know uh, and, nothing and like fa- some good truck explanation. I know, and then faster than the Chia Pet, they've they've uh, they've managed to grow some newer, some more sports like and and literally they're they're all i love the shots of the camera if you watch back go back and watch the episode like all these people looking at these monitors watching this stuff happen in real time like if it was that difficult to like make to, to like they were so precious and few these these spores and yet they could manufacture them in a matter of like what what did it take five minutes for that to grow on the show yeah you they kind of they kind of hand waved it and i i would have yeah. to watch the episode again but i kind of got the impression that there was something unique about the the specific planet they were going to that it was like wow this is this is like super fertilizer for the for the fungus sort of thing is is what i was kind of getting but i think they to your point i don't think they went sort of deep enough into that as to why it was specific the kind of impression I got actually was that first of all he had this particular spore sample that he'd kept, which was which was you know, I guess pretty fast growing or something like that. Uh, I forget what his explanation when he's telling Tilly about it in, in engineering that this is he's, this is why he's kept this particular one. Um, and yeah, and like you said, maybe this one had special fertilizer or something like that, or or, or maybe it was connected to the mycelial network in some way that it was like maybe at a hub point or something where it had extra mojo, right? But it was just I just I love it when they when they solve a problem in forty minutes. It's just great. Um, no no references to the Genesis device in there at all. I was surprised. No, no, yeah, no. It's oh, true. it's just like, Gen- never mind, never mind, nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah, nothing to see here, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you want Genesis to be limited to making a planet full of spores, I guess it is kind of kind of like that. Right, right. So, of course, then we get to the scene where Mike and Michael Burnham does actually go and confront um, Tyler. Because, you know, they couldn't stretch this out over two or three episodes. They had to solve all of these problems in the one episode. So she does go to see him, and she gives him crap for, like, not coming to her uh, when when things got tough and I guess that's kind of sort of what they solved and you know her her I mean it, it was a bit like um, and no no disrespect intended but it was a bit like how a, a battered person in a relationship feels when the when they're talking to their abuser not that they can easily talk to their abuser but about the she, she mentions the fact that you had your hands around my neck and you wanted you were looking at me like she said it was like the man I wanted who I loved wanted me dead kind of thing so um, and she says that when I look at you now I see Vokes eyes so so she's able to sort of as i'm saying see beyond the fact that you know you know this the federation and all is forgiven and all that kind of stuff she sees him as the person who was trying to see, want her dead and and the person who basically made her life you know difficult in this last little bit right and uh she basically i think she says i, I was so lost after, after the battle of the binary stars and so um and she says to him at the end of it as she walks out of the room it's not easy letting you go and she you know, she um stays true to character and just leaves him you know to to deal with his own crap himself right so um, interesting point here though at the, at the end there um at one point somebody mentions that captain archer uh existed a hundred years ago i think we were trying to figure out where in the timeline we know this fits just before the op- original series but what's the gap between um the archer enterprise and and the constitution class enterprise which is coming up right um and it was a hundred years so they're the second time they've explicitly mentioned um stuff from enterprise the series yeah, enterprise. Ca- from, the, from that series yeah and then um of course 
course. You know, we I think we saw this coming, and and uh, why would they bring Emperor Giorgio back? We talked about this, I believe, last episode, where you know she's got these kick-ass, you know, martial art skills, and you know she knows how to take down a Klingon or two, and she can serve up a whip, you know, uh, some some nice sushi platters with uh, Kelpian um, <laughs> appetizers and that kind of stuff. And um, so, of course, she's going to you know pull her hair back and get dressed up like uh, take off the, the the gold breastplate and pretend to be Captain Georgiou and uh, walk onto the bridge and just says, oh, look what we found hiding in the back here. It's Captain Georgiou and she's going to take over the <laughs> ship. And I guess it's a ruse for the for the crew, right? Because maybe the crew doesn't know that, that she's there. I'm, I'm trying, trying to remember back to the very beginning where... Well, they, uh, Saru- when they come on board, they basically threaten the transporter uh, operator yeah, saying, yeah. it'll be treason if you talk about this. It's classified. Right. Right. So they keep her under wraps and then they when they bring her back to the bridge, they say she's been, you know, undercover this whole time she wasn't right. really dead nobody yeah. ate her head or anything she's fine right. <laughs> right and and earlier in the episode when they were having the conference room talk about how things are going in the war and everything they said uh you know we got to keep this mirror universe under wraps because otherwise this war has been so terrible that people will just start clamoring to try to find their ways to get into it right and and lose hope they say hey look if your your spouse your child whoever you know dies but you think oh there's like still a chance that we could recover them from like an alternate universe people will start doing that instead of focusing on moving on and you know hopefully winning this war yeah and we know they can't go to they can't go to chronos and blow it up because that doesn't happen for another you know 50 years or something like that right um in the undiscovered country but um well we do yeah. we do know that uh we we don't know how the war between the klingons and the federation ends. oh ends right yeah so yeah. could come to a head next week in an interesting way yeah but because yeah there's that whole established thing in the original series about the neutral zone they keep they keep talking about the neutral zone is like this was swath of space that runs through um between federation space and klingons and even romulan space i suppose right mm-hmm. um because it's just like the sort of area that you know, like like a like a World War One no man's land kind of thing, right? And um, by the way, I did watch um, Wonder Woman the other day. Yay! But, uh, yay! <laughs> so there's only two more guys that need to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, and and interesting that they're going to use Giorgio to do this, and and uh, but I mean, are they going to wrap this up in 40 minutes? I don't think so. I mean, mind you, I was wrong about the last prediction where they they got out of the. Uh, hey, you're Universe just you just love to jump episode. on top of that soapbox and make proclamations. <laughs> well, that's what you asked me to do a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder how they get out of this. And I wonder, uh, I mean, Burnham clearly made a poor judgment in bringing the Emperor back. You think? Well, yeah. I mean. Oh, okay. She's, I think it's the same kind of, you know, impulsive action that she took when she killed oh, Takuma because Giorgio right, was, yeah. was killed. The original Giorgio was killed. Yeah. And in the same poor decision making that she made, you know, in the first place when she tried to commit mutiny, uh, you know, she, she, she is not great at the decision making uh, as we or see. Or the through. decision to have a relationship with Tyler? Well, I mean, in that case, I guess we can absolve her. She didn't know she was getting into bed with a sleeper agent. She just thought it was, you know, new guy in town. But something says that she's going to have to uh, come to that hard decision about, you know, who the emperor is versus who the captain is and what their relationship is in the next 43 minutes or whatever. Because I don't know. I don't know how you carry that over. Do you think they carry over the emperor storyline into season two depends on how much they paid her i guess 
us. <laughs> yeah, because we, we talked about uh, Lorca and uh, Jason Isaacs and him being a, a one-season person, and, and maybe the salary might have been too much to continue him going on other than just a uh, like a guest star basis, like a flashback, or as we speculated, maybe he was the green spore that's attached to Tilly. Um, I kind of have, I mean, I don't know, I could be totally wrong, because you're right, Tim, this, this show does move fast when it wants to. Um, I kind of doubt that they can resolve the Mirror Universe George L timeline question in 40 minutes or an hour. Um, and it kind of doesn't seem like it lends itself too well to the uh, the title of the upcoming episode, Will You Take My Hand? Which sounds an awful right. lot like a really good way to have a cliffhanger and get you ready for season two. Sure. I mean, because I kind of like, I like the Emperor as a character. I mean, I, to be honest, I really haven't liked the Emperor as she, because she flip-flops between wanting to kill Burnham and wanting to work with Burnham, right? That's kind of kind of wimpy in my opinion. But I like the idea of the Emperor being, like, knowing about this the universe and that she can flip back and forth. And I like her coming back in season three and wreaking havoc and season four and wreaking havoc, you know, kind of thing. Or, or you know, maybe they have to go back to the Mirror Universe for some other reason and then she run into her. I think that they could have exploited that character a, a lot more in the Mirror Universe kind of thing. Like uh, like I was saying, I think, uh, three or four episodes ago when we first found out about her. Um, and they kind of, they've kind of wasted it by bringing her to this this universe, right? Because, I mean, they can use her as a, as a sort of stand-in to Michelle Yeoh because, you know, the remarkable, she, remarkable resemblance to the actor Michelle Yeoh, by the way. Yes. Um, but, you know, especially when she pulls her hair back. But the, um, the, the, I think they could have used that character or that, you know, like much like Harry Mudd. Like, Harry Mudd isn't gone. We know Harry Mudd's out there somewhere wreaking havoc with somebody else right now and, you know, get getting ready to go and mess with, with Kirk. But um, he always sort of was an interesting sort of character to have in their back pocket, right? They could bring him back out. You know, they only used him twice in, in the original series, but they could have brought him out a couple of times, you know? Um, you think they go back they to the Mirror Universe well again soon? Well, now that they know how to get there, that's the thing, right? Once they, if they, if they can go find another planet to, another Chia planet to build some more spores, right? They can, they, they will be able to fuel their, their ability to jump back. It's going to be interesting to see how they resolve this sort of, this nine months that they've wasted being away from, from uh, the Prime Universe and, you know, letting the Klingons run, run havoc, right? Over the place, right? So, yeah. like, how are they going to, how are they going to back all that stuff out? And right, Mind you, I guess we don't know what the map of Klingon space looks like in Kirk and Spock's time either, right? It could be what it is, to, what they, what they, where they are now, right? Yeah. I mean, but, but wasting the the emperor character or the emperor you know plot point or whatever you want I don't know what do you call it vehicle plot vehicle right yeah I I think they're gonna I don't know I'm I have a feeling they're gonna wrap her up in some way this week it feels like uh you know they've they've set her up to be someplace where she's you know she's used her you know uh, very shrewd skills to get herself into the position that she wants to be you know she's making the most of it she's found herself in this position of power she made a bargain with Sarek she knew how to you know work him pretty good um to get what she wanted i, I just get a feeling she's got you know one more twist and a cup come up and it's coming yeah well, I, I mean, mean I, she's, so she's so not a good person we've established she's a she's a real nasty piece of work no I, and that's what i mean she could be like a cue she could be like the cue of this i was trying to think of what the analogy was but she could be the cue of this this version of star trek yeah right? recurring I, I antagonist feeling, sort of thing yeah I, I still get the feeling that they're going to end up with uh you know hitting the reset button a little bit for the beginning of season two i i, I got a feeling i don't know i, I 
I just, my gut's telling me that, that Michelle Yeoh in some way, whether it's something enigmatic as in she steals a shuttlecraft and takes off or something more direct, like, you know, she gets a bat left in the back of the head. Um, although she'd be able to kick people out of the way and deflect that. So, uh, yeah, I, I just have this feeling that she's, she's not going to make it out of the end of the season. Hmm. Can we talk about the kick for a minute? I love the kick. Because I went back and watched the kick because you guys mentioned it and I, and I realized I didn't, I didn't see the kicking of the, the blade out of the air or, or the kick when Lorca has her um, held, kicks held. her leg backwards and kicks him in the back of the head. Yeah, no, I thought it, it looked to me Lorca like a Muppet leg coming up and hitting him. I watched, I went back and watched it a couple of times and I slowed the video down to watch it, but it, it kind of looked like like a prop leg. Did you think it was her actual leg doing that? Don't spoil this for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do raise a good point because I mean they were so, very so close I will point together. out that she actually could do the stunt in her younger years, right? Um, you can oh, see it on, now you're throwing film. shade at 55 year old Michelle Yeoh. But now I'm like, well, okay, like I, I've seen like Jackie Chan slow down a bit. He doesn't do the crazy stunts like he, he he once did. I'm like, all right, it's reasonable that maybe she didn't, but maybe she's just still really good in shape because it's more of a, a flexibility thing than it is like a, you know, my bones can survive being thrown off a train sort of thing, like in Jackie Chan's example. Right. So, so is the kick, I've not seen her do this in other movies, but does the kick come forward and hit the guy behind? Or no, she, she throws her leg backwards behind yeah. herself and flips it up. She's so flexible at the hip that she can yeah. actually swing her leg almost all the way backwards and kick somebody in the back of the head while standing straight upwards. What? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Please don't take okay. this away from me. I need this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And don't go watch back. Don't go watch the episode again. <laughs> okay, bring in Ms. Yo's puppet leg. Okay, action, puppet leg. <laughs> it's like Elmo mm-hmm. or Grover or something. Just this extra leg. Yeah. Coming up. Was, yeah. Yep. Or like the, the leg, the, the guy in uh, or the uh, Austin Powers character um, Gold Member when he's yeah the, yeah the splits and <laughs> brings his legs up yeah. yeah as he pivots on his member. I so guess. what are what are our bold predictions for the final episode? We got one episode left. They're headed for Kronos. They've got uh, belly full of spores. Yeah, they're going to go inside the planet. They're going to map the surface of the planet from inside the planet, and then they're going to what were what were they going to do after that again? Then they were going to uh, they were going to target all the to, defenses. The twenty four houses. I guess or whatever their the headquarters or whatever. Well, they right, said they were going to try and cripple their defenses so that everybody would retreat, right? Right, I guess. It wasn't yeah, like they were going to bomb know. the nursery schools or anything. They were going to they were going to blow up like so, military. So, Jaime, did they have a did they have a next time on Star Trek thing for you? Like a little preview there at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they I, did. I saw a little bit of that. I so saw, even saw part, it this week. I looked it up on the internet. Oh, the part where Burnham goes over to talk to Saru and Emperor says, "I didn't give you permission to leave your station." That yeah. One? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, where's where's Admiral? Uh, Cornwall during this whole thing as well. Is she still on the ship? Or? Well, no, she shows up as a hologram at one point in the little little teaser for next week. So, oh, does she? Okay, so okay. clearly, she's Go. off the the mission. So it's it's basically it's going to be Saru and Burnham uh, and and crew versus the Emperor and the Klingons. Yeah, and Sarek was doing that Jedi project, projection thing, right? When he was talking to the Emperor, because he was gone, he'd left already, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so you see, it's true. Luke could you know project himself across from no 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 different star thing different star oh, thing sorry sorry i got confused <laughs> yeah I, I don't know I, I wonder i wonder if they they leave us on a cliffhanger or if they wrap up in a bow i mean they didn't oh that's no, gotta have a cliffhanger they didn't formally announce a season two until months later so oh, really yeah so i mean they might have been in for it to sort of let's let's wrap it up and leave some things open-ended or it might be you know let's get it over with mm. yeah i guess it depends on where the decision was made to do season two versus when they wrapped production for the current season 
um, they might have written it in such a way that, all right, well, if we got a season two, uh, we'll write it this way, you know, we'll film this scene, and if not, we'll film this other scene so that it, well, they could, it yeah, they could have done two en- two endings, or you think they didn't they didn't produce them though until like well, that's what I'm wondering because sure. I it, it's not as if they've you know produced them all and had them in a can just waiting to debut. I mean, there's a little bit of overlap between starting and um, an episode still filming. I think at least that's pretty typical for a show like this. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like halfway through this uh, filming the season and producing it before they said, all right, you know, we've got the go ahead for season two. So let's go ahead and use the uh, option A instead of option B. So can I ask a question? Go for it. Here's my question. Okay. So I know how the, the next generation ends and I know how Voyager ends, but I don't remember. And I know the Enterprise just ended because they cut the show, but how did Deep Space Nine end? Well, Jaime, you or me, what do you want to... Uh, how do you wrap it? Yeah, maybe you should try to see if you can summarize it better than I can. So uh, Deep Space Nine ends with uh, Cisco basically accepts that he's one of the prophets. Oh, the elders, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And basically joins them inside the wormhole and it, if I'm not mistaken, collapses at that point, doesn't it, Jaime? I don't recall if the wormhole was closed at that point. It, it, it might have been. I'd have to rewatch that episode. Yeah, again, it's it's been a while, but I seem to recall, let's see, let's see if I can find it here. Where does the wormhole go? Like from Deep Space Nine to where? The Delta Quadrant. No, not the Delta Quadrant. The Gamma Quadrant? Gamma the Gamma Quadrant, quadrant right. Where the Dominion live. Yeah. So oh, they, the they wrap up the, okay. the war with the Dominion. Um, right. Constable Odo, the shapeshifter, ends up back with his people, the uh, other shapeshifters, the Oh, founders. instead of in a bucket? Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. And there's some other things, but like the, the major thing is uh, the Cisco story and the end of the Dominion War. So, so here's right, here's right. the quick recap for you here. So, uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, the end. It's the end of the Dominion War. The alliance of Starfleet Klingons, Romulans, and Ka- the Rebel Cardassians, not the Cardassians, the Cardassians, launch a final attack against the Dominion on Cardassia Prime. And uh, yeah, Gul Dukat goes and uh, he merges with the Pa Wraiths on Bajor, and then he's going to go and take a run at uh, at the at Cisco. Cisco ends up basically accepting his faith that he's a prophet and he ends up having a showdown with Dukat. So Dukat and the Paw Wraiths die and uh, Cisco ends up basically staying behind and and joining them in the Celestial Temple. God, that story, this whole thing sounds ridiculous now when you start talking about it. <laughs> it doesn't so, recap so, very well. <laughs> it really doesn't. I, I gotta, I'm got. i thinking now, like, I remember this being good, but God, it sounds terrible when you start going through this. <laughs> so what happened to the tailor? Garrick? I think he helps he, rebuild uh, Cardassia because it's like yeah. an utterly broken society at that point due to the Dominion Oh, because the Dominion over. destroy it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was exiled from a Cardassia, so it's... Oh, like he's Card- Cardassian, home. right. Okay, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the um, Galdicott was such a good character. I liked him, too. So is... Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy you just mentioned, his name? Garrick? Garrick. 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 Yeah. Oh, he was such a great character. Yeah, yeah. Because he was such a nerd at first, and then, and you know, and like just... Yeah, and then they, they kind of totally underestimated him. The know? guy who actually uh, played him, Andrew Robinson, actually ended up writing a series of books on what Garrick's life was like back on Cardassia Prime after the war. Oh, really? Oh, cool. I remember reading, again, nearly 20 years ago now, but but uh, enjoying. Like He definitely felt very deep in that character. Cool. But, uh, yeah, I think hopefully none of this comes to pass and we don't end up using phrases like Pa Wraiths uh, at the end of Discovery, but I wonder, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if we're going to see some more character deaths. Do you think we're going to see anybody go to the big uh, Celestial Temple in the sky this week? Well, they can't bring Laundry back again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, poor Landry with about, you know, an hour's worth of screen time. I'm here from the, the third season. mirror. You oh. uh, yeah. do, do you think that that, uh, that Volk Tyler does something stupid? Try and make up for himself? Yeah. Do you think maybe he uh, throws Ooh. himself on the pyre at some point? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so have they wasted that character now that they've fixed him? Well, well where do you go with that character next? Like, does he reintegrate in the crew? They're like, well, you're a human now. Uh, you're one yeah. of us and off we go. Or does he try and find a way to redeem himself because now he's had this not only i mean the crew sort of said okay we we forgive you even though you snapped poor culver's neck uh, you know he's he's lost his love he's lost burnham and he's but has he really he doesn't fit in anymore i don't know do they keep him around and have him be the you know perpetual pining for for burnham or does it make more sense for him to say you know what i'm gonna go in a blaze of glory showing that i you know i am the good person yeah i don't know wax on wax off yeah i'm really unclear what they're going to do with that character and it's possible he could play a part in you know their, their whole scheme here ostensibly is that they're going to um, try to cripple or at least severely damage the home world Kronos so that the Klingons have no choice but to return home to defend themselves and, and be less concerned about conquest and we know given that they they wouldn't be breaking the timeline that stuff like Praxis won't be you know destroyed until much later until the Star Trek uh, Undiscovered Country time Oh, that was and we also know that Kronos. Hmm. Sorry, that was practiced the moon that got destroyed. Not yeah, yeah it was Kronos. like a like a mining colony or something. I think right. Oh, okay. it was an energy producing center. I think is what they say. Right, right. Okay. And I would guess that the kind of technique or move that uh, Giorgio would have used in her universe would have been something like you know let's destroy the whole planet. So maybe she has a plan that goes sort of in that direction. But to um, maybe Tyler somehow gets involved. Where he's like, all right, I'll be the one to to go out in a blaze of glory, and he struggles with it and doesn't completely stop you know i don't know the big bomb or whatever it is so it, it's not as effective as destroying the planet or making it unlivable but it's still half effective uh, kind of like his whole half klingon half human sort of thing and it damages the planet without actually destroying it to make sure that everything sort of stays in line with where we know the timeline is going yeah wait a minute Giorgio steals discovery and takes it to the back to the mirror universe no 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 <laughs> i'm not gonna write it off but uh, so in order to do that she needs Stamets, so that means she's at least kidnapped him. Right, right. Hmm. What about, uh, what about Laurel? She's just gonna, right now, she's just wasting space in a brig, right? Yeah, yeah. You think mm -hmm. she, they, something's gotta go wrong. They're gonna need her to, like... Well, she needs to come and explain or talk to them or whatever. Yeah, or, she's, or she's gotta come into her... this this last episode somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gotta be a useful thing. Maybe she's the one who sacrifices herself. No, they need her around. I, I, I think, like, the, I think, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know much about Mary Chiefio, but or Chefio, but she, I think it's such a good, they've invested a lot in, in that particular actor and that character, right? To, to toss it out the window, right? Yeah, I mean, um, you could say the same thing about Lorca, right? Yeah, but Jason Isaacs is a different, different, you know, um, point from the point of like, like we've talked about practicality in terms of salary and stuff like that, right? So um, I can't imagine that Lorca, or sort of that uh, Jason Isaac and uh, Michelle Yeoh come cheap, right? You know, they're, they're big, they're big movie stars, right? Mm -hmm. So they get their movie star salaries, you know? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I wonder. Uh, I mean, you could make the same argument for 
for why, you know, I mean, again, the actress, uh, was it Rika Sharma who played Landry mm-hmm. got killed twice in one season. So yeah, well, I, you could pretty much, you can, you can kill off minor characters just as easily as the ones who are getting paid a lot because you can always hire ones that are, are, you know, less known actors. Everybody's expendable. But I mean, in terms of investment in the show, we've got Tilly. They're not going to get rid of Tilly because she, she's the like, best central. thing on the show. Yeah. And they're not going to get rid of Shanika Martin Green because she's the vehicle for the story, right? Yeah. They're probably not going to get rid of Saru. Yeah. You know, they kind of need Detmer around. The, the the one with the augmented human, I'm not sure about her. And it's in Daft Punk? I yeah, I don't... No, no, no. The other one. The one she, actually, she actually had a few lines in this show. Um, The redhead who has the, like, no, cybernetic she's all, eye? No, that that's uh, Detmer. Oh, um, okay. No, the other one, the one. She's all blue. She's like... Oh, she's oh like, she oh, looks yeah, more yeah, yeah. like a robot sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she must have had a mirror on the, on the uh, other Enterprise. I didn't really see... Or, I mean, the other... Um, in the Emperor's ship or whatever, or yeah. the other discovery no no she was on the shenju right yeah um yeah i don't know yeah i, I think uh, if they're gonna bring detmer back uh you know not just representing toronto but if we could give her a couple <laughs> more lines next season that'd be nice yeah yeah she, you know you're like well, so she gets some face time but she has a personality that maybe we'll learn about i don't know it's almost the opposite of the problem well not the problem but the the plot conveniences we saw with the orville right the orville was like here's the episode for this person here's the episode for this person here's the episode for this person this one you're like i've watched you for 15 episodes and i could still barely remember your name because they've said so little about you right yeah yeah well detmer had so many lines in the last episode because she was the number one on on the other ship right yeah on the emperor ship but um yeah somebody's gonna need a promotion because well i guess saru got promoted and then demoted again but uh they have lost a few body parts along the way well too. but he's really the captain so i mean like there's this whole ruse of michelle yo sitting in the captain's chair she's not really the captain right well isn't she rank wise i assume she's still captain and he's still first officer if she could say things like she said in the trailer for next week about you know skip back into your seat because i said so it sounds pretty captain like yeah i suppose you didn't know hmm. well we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see either way i'm looking forward to it this was a bit of a uh, exposition heavy episode not yeah. i mean we probably didn't need a breather after last week's rather amazing jam-packed episode yeah. so you know here we are doing plot exposition 101 like you said eight minutes of like non-stop and then just like 40 minutes of, of exposition and set up but right. uh but it's all set up all the pieces are on play on the board um, i'm cool. i'm curious to see if they can deliver a, a knock your socks off finale cool well we've got 20 minutes left so, or sorry 10 minutes left so we should um power through our picks i think right mm-hmm. yeah sure. yeah okay and we'll do we'll do we'll talk about the uh the red cup movie next week um <laughs> all right so well my my pick was fairly simple i uh the, the, and it's unfortunately by the time this hits the streets it'll uh it'll be over but uh, this week they had a flashback film festival um curated by richard krauss i believe his name is mm-hmm. right um, um some really cool movies uh, a view to a kill back to the future drunken master dune gremlins hot fuzz monty python and the holy grail raising arizona Shaun of the dead terminator 2 judgment day in 3d oh i didn't know it was in 3d mm-hmm. uh the big lebowski um wait a minute was judgment 2 terminator 2 was that in 3d originally no they they remade that last year they put that oh in. okay 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 and then uh, the big lebowski iron giant terminator the terminator and uh world's end and war games so i i the reason i've got the money path and the holy grail um highlighted here is because i did actually go see that on monday night oh yeah uh, yeah well i had to my, my iphone went into the app store for apple restore for re- repairs and i had to kill i mean i was planning on going because it's around the corner from there i was playing at young and dundas right so uh, i planned on going to see that movie so it was interesting and i hadn't seen it. the story behind that movie was it was one of the first movies they made um and i believe it was either done in 35 millimeter 
year or it was it was a low budget so they didn't do um they didn't have the budget to do um you know like 70 millimeter or whatever um but it was interesting to see it on the big screen because there were so many scenes where the film was underexposed or out of focus and they still managed still kept the shots oh yeah uh yeah for like large portions of that portions of that movie so it was because it was i think it was uh terry gilliam and and terry jones first actual movie um and um and they they said they would never they not that they would never work again but they would never work with another director on the same movie again and they didn't but yeah it was it was a a really fun thing i mean of course you know i i I think i have like like jonathan has star wars memorized i have monty python the holy grail memorized so it's kind of interesting to see it go through and i was some of the people in the audience were laughing at at, you know ridiculously at some part so i wonder if they were laughing because they remembered when they were kids you know rapping about this stuff or had they was it was this actually the first time they'd seen him so it's really i mean it's always good to see these movies in in the theater um of course sean of the dead is playing right now while we're while we're recording so otherwise i would have been seeing sean of the dead again for the third time in the theater but yeah well that was my pick was the uh the film festival they do this every year uh, next year they'll have another round of uh round of videos and, and you just saw back to the future um when they did the for the anniversary, the anniversary. yeah 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 anniversary that was show. that was really cool they showed the whole trilogy and that was that was fun so yeah. did they show the the cleaned up version of of holy grail or did they actually show you like a print or what how what was the yeah it there was no artifacts in the screen so it was obviously a cleanup version and i believe this is the one with the extra 20 20 seconds of uh you know the part where they all yell get on with it that yeah, was, that yeah. Was in the, so this is this is the the extended two i think it's what 20 seconds longer extended version right yeah yeah because so, when and, i went you know, to clerks a few years ago at lightbox they showed a print because yes it was yeah. it was like it was a very different film than we're used to seeing because the lighting was very uneven yeah and yeah. some of the takes Same were idea, yeah. a little rougher yeah. and it was a very different experience really cool really really cool yeah, experience to yeah. see that which one of our both of our favorite movies uh, yeah. but but not just seeing the movie again on a big screen but actually seeing the original uh, print yeah well that's the difference between tiff and like I, I saw this at a cineplex theater and they have digital you know dlp projectors right so they they run them from from a file right whereas um the um tiff actually runs them off of um 70 millimeter film like when you go to see a 70 millimeter presentation you're actually watching film you yeah. know with all the all the, the dust and scratches and all that kind of stuff that you normally get the stuff we all forget about right yeah you know, so yeah it's, it's I, some of those movies it's really interesting to see in that format you really do it's a different experience you forget what that's like in some ways yeah the light's different yeah exactly. yeah and you really do notice things like that where they haven't you know had the modern conveniences of those things but actually you know some of those things actually feel more right in that way again yeah for yeah. the oh for the day they find an original print of star wars and show it at that theater right well i do remember i do like i think i mentioned before i saw the first the first um showing of bicentennial man at, at downtown which was the first digitally presented movie in toronto yep. right um that was years ago and, and i remember specifically because i used to go see movies every week i went back in those days and um i specifically remember being amazed that there was no artifacts in, in the shot right so it was yep. just clear the whole way through it was so. pre-gj abrams uh sun fade for no flare. reason yeah 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 mm-hmm. so you got a pick john yeah so uh i saw this the other day so a group of guys did this rather uh hilarious shot for shot remake of uh star wars uh episode three uh last year last summer it came out uh where they did this whole thing around their in their house and around their neighborhoods bunch of guys in their 20s um you know doing like you know it's 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 low production value it's very silly they're using you know goofy props and bad wigs and stuff like that but it is 
so freaking funny. Uh, I remember watching it last summer and, and thinking, you know, these guys is again, it's just, it's just a complete goof, but it's so much fun watching these guys. You know, it's all, it's an all male cast. So you end up, you know, somebody has to play Padme and stuff. And it's really, really goofy fun. Well, they've announced, uh, they put out a trailer. They're doing a shot for shot remake of episode two now. And it looks twice as funny because that movie is just freaking awful. So <laughs> I'm looking forward for the first time I can say in since what 2003 to actually seeing Star Wars Episode 2 again because uh, these hmm. guys are going to do this remake uh, we'll put up the link in our show notes please check it out they are a riot uh, I, I can't recommend it hardly enough I'll put up the link for uh, both the trailer for their Attack of the Clones and also for their full uh, YouTube video of their uh, shot for shot remake of uh, Revenge of the Sith uh, again it's it's ridiculous it is absolutely ridiculous but it is so so funny cool all right so how many you have uh, something for us oh look it's deep space nine Jaime. oh we lost him <laughs> if Jaime Correct. were here <laughs> <laughs> so Jaime's pick is <laughs> oh, that's funny just as we we're gonna throw to him so uh, I, I believe Jaime was gonna talk about the fact that um they were going to go back and do uh hd uh, somebody's looking to sort of raise a campaign to see a high definition version of ds9 uh so they put out a proof of concept video of uh what an hd battle scene could look like if they used the proper uh updated cg effects instead of the the old uh, older effects it, it, it looks really good it does look good yeah, i was gonna say haven't we seen this oh no i think i was talking about the updated um yeah they updated they updated the uh, uh, tos they updated i believe tng, TNG yeah. as well yeah um but I, they haven't gone i think further than that and right, right. Uh, so we're sort of relegated to 1990s uh technology on the on the ds9 and voyager stuff um but yeah it, there there is it's up on uh, it's at adam rakov uh, r-a-c-k-o-f-f mm-hmm. on uh, twitter has got a little right. proof of concept 15 seconds of what this could look like and it, it looks pretty cool so yeah yeah i saw this on on twitter earlier today i wondered what it was maybe i saw it on his feed or something yeah cool so he's looking for some support so uh we'll we'll retweet that and uh yeah we'll we'll see what kind of cool. motion he can get there hopefully he gets more signatures than the uh people who tried to bring back the inhumans right right and so like seriously do you do you like do you not think this is so weird to have this car floating around the earth right now i mean like when i, I, I didn't i didn't see the i didn't see the launch but i you know i heard everybody talking about it. i was in a meeting at the time when it was happening and and then you know i saw the landing of the two um on twitter i saw the landing of the two uh what do you call them booster rockets right because yep. i guess they reused those too but but like what he actually put a car into orbit well you know there are advantages to being rich and eccentric you can stupid. you can get away you with can, this you can become the leader of the free world if you're rich and stupid right now the trick is to bring it back to earth and then drive it again and then you know the first car in space i mean you know well i suppose you know moon ro- moon rover but i mean really it's yeah a Tesla. there's four this is yes it's not the first electric electric car in space because there's there's four of them on the plant on the uh there's three of them i guess on the moon right so, yep yeah weird eh that like, is very weird but you know cool like you know again <laughs> if you can't abuse privilege uh by being you know rich and and you know a creator yeah. of a car company and a rocket company i guess i guess weird it's just it's just wrong anywho well will on behalf of jaime lopez uh <laughs> jr who oh, is wait, is he back no he's not he's not back yet oh no jaime lopez jr who is uh at dev with the hair you can find him there on twitter and jonathan where can people find you uh i'm at jpk news on twitter all right oh he's just back no he's almost back he's <laughs> i'm back sorry about that and, all right we, we we just say goodbye for you we, we just did we did your pick and uh yeah so we support we your uh support 
support of this Twitter campaign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the high, the high def uh, Deep Space Nine, yeah. Yeah, it's from Sacrifice of Angels. So, uh, so Jaime, if people want to find you on interwebs, wherever they look. I'm on Twitter. It's at Dev with the Hair. All right. And Jonathan, if people want to find you. I am still at GPK News. All right. And uh, as usual, I am Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. And we will see you guys in the future. Bye. Goodbye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spockcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spockcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. again tonight love it love it your furnace is broken again it's continually broken breaking broken broken well the good news is you have a fireplace no we don't yes. blocked up yes i'm aware of your blocked up fireplace oh teasing you sarcastic <clears throat> oh, that was sarcasm okay i'm a little surprised right. i assumed they'd have like the best furnace engineers or technicians whatever you might call them in, uh, you know, in canada because like well, it would be a very common thing to need right you would think well so so here's the scam right because um they're not very sophisticated machines like it's basically like a barbecue on its on its side like a gas barbecue on its side right and um like it runs off natural gas or whatever but um and there's like a bunch of pressure some sensor switches and stuff like that and and you know if the thing if the balances aren't all right it just won't fire because it doesn't want to blow up your house right basically you know whatever like that right Mm -hmm. so we have this furnace that's been here for like 20 17 20 years something like that right and um just this year it started acting up and and so you call up the furnace guy and so i what i found was i turned i had one guy sort of helping me over over text message because he was too busy to come over and you know it kind of went through a few things and tried a few things and of course there's all kinds of information on youtube about you know what how to fix your furnace and what could go wrong and don't call the guy in because these are the, the common symptoms and and those are pretty straightforward and went through all of those and over it started middle middle of december there somewhere about right and it would run for three or four days and then it would just stop again and it would no rhyme or reason but it turned out i figured out what it is is um it's on an external wall of our house and so it and it brings in air from outside to burn because it's a it's a high efficiency furnace but it burns out air from brought in from outside right but for some reason it will not ignite the, the burner if the temperature is somewhere around minus five degrees to two degrees uh, uh, centigrade right so their solution is well we'll come in and replace the power the pressure switch so that's like you know 150 to 300 dollars to get that replaced 
And then if that doesn't work, they'll come and replace something else. And if that doesn't work, they'll come and replace like an $800 um, part uh, motor, right? And they're and they're all all along as as they start saying this, they keep saying to you, well, you know, the 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 thing to do is replace the furnace. Well, because that's where the big ticket item is, right? It's like you know five thousand dollars for a furnace or mm-hmm. anywhere from three thousand to five thousand dollars plus installation, and you know, and then they got you on the hook for ten years because you're then you're then their client, right? But nobody can explain to me. And if you go on Twitter, you'll see that I've tweeted something about about a month ago saying, okay, HVAC people, you're so good. Why don't you tell me what's wrong with this this furnace? Because it, I I can uncarry like it stopped working today because the temperature outside is you guessed it minus five degrees centigrade, right? And if I wait a couple of hours, I've turned it off, I powered it off, and if I wait a couple of hours until you know the temperature drops a bit more towards like midnight tonight, and I go, I guarantee you, I can just go in and flip the switch on, and it'll and it'll ignite again because it'll be too cold. So nobody can explain to me why it has something to do with the, the temperature of the outside air. Like, is it is it because the gas coming into the line is cooled colder or or what? You know, <laughs> right, it's a, right? It's the weirdest thing. And all they want, oh, spend five thousand. And these guys are like sitting on their cell phone, giving you like looking at their phone, giving you, oh, I can get you a furnace for five thousand dollars. No, you can't. You can get me a nice glossy brochure and come over and rub my feet while you tell me why I should buy your furnace for $5,000. You know, don't get me started. <laughs> I, think we, I think that moment has passed. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, like either you know what this, what's wrong with this thing or you don't just to you know, stop trying. Like, you know, we spent $600 with our regular furnace guys, you know, having this replaced and that replaced and then, they, oh, we'll come back and replace this last thing and it'll be, and you know what? I'm sorry, you're going to replace the next part and it's not going to be the problem, right? And then what? Oh, and then you have to buy the five dollars dollar furnace. I'm sorry. Get your shit together and learn how to fix them furnace and then come to my house you know so you don't seem to understand how scams work i do understand how <laughs> scams work there's a song by frank zappa called flakes you know and my favorite line in that song is this is from like 1978 maybe my favorite line in that in that thing is i'm a moron this is my wife she's frosting a cake with a paper knife <laughs> <laughs> you know it flashed back to the old icing commercials right yep. anyway so that's what you know so the furnace was working like last night we went up to dinner to my sister's place and and the and it, the, the temperature had risen again you know, not not you know not to zero but it was like you know minus three or whatever and of course the furnace stopped working after working for here's the best part Jonathan right you know you know your mother right like we cannot have the furnace on from from November doesn't go on before November and it goes off in April right and and it has to be set to like you know just above you know uncomfortable right and and her answer by is a whisker put on another spot like her kid when her kid when Jonathan's kids come over to the house she turns the furnace up because they can't stand it right yeah the so little cool. one comes back with blue lips yeah yeah well I, come, I have blue lips what are you talking about right he's lucky he's got blue lips anyway so she's she turned this thermostat to 23 degrees celsius like and she's like oh let's heat the house up real warm and like we'll just keep it real warm so it was like that for like four days i was walking around with a t-shirt on and no socks you know <laughs> <laughs> well it's a good this thing is, your dog has a fur coat I, I, what do you think jaime how would uh poyo like it if he was five degrees yeah. out celsius oh yeah i can imagine not very yep. not very well he wouldn't handle it very well because his fur is ornamental i mean it's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me and i was like oh wait well i guess they're they're desert dogs so that kind of makes sense but the, that yeah. fur does nothing it's like the like the beard i had in in uh, university right um so yeah <laughs> like he has like is he like practically like naked kind of thing or as far as fur go 
toes or it's uh it's thinner um like on his belly than you would expect for like a fully fur covered creature yeah and when i really sort of like press and try to separate the fur i'm like oh this is a lot different than other types of dogs i've had before where right you can easily see the skin before you're really like trying to spread out anything so i'm like oh that's what he's besides being you know physically small and not producing tons of heat you can say oh like it's not like some other you know even smaller breeds that are like oh right, the right. other fur is made for being in the cold and his is not huh. desert you know radiate heat sort of thing yeah well i guess i guess that's true i hadn't really thought about the fact that he's, he's a desert dog he's a desert dog <laughs> all right so we'll, we'll we'll now we'll now end the show okay cool uh see you next time then jonathan all right take care bud okay see ya. bye when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.